Welcome to New Birth Christian Ministries. We are glad you are joining us today. Our services will begin shortly. Here at New Birth, our mission is to transform our families, our schools, our community, and our city by introducing everyone to Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that Christ will change their hearts and baptize them into His family by the Holy Spirit called New Birth. The New Birth experience will begin shortly. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. God is great. He's awesome. And we are just excited about all the great things he continues to do. Um, You didn't get a chance to see it, but here at New Birth, every fourth Sunday, we partake in Youth Sunday. And we've been experiencing exponential growth in our youth and young adult ministries. It's been awesome. Uh, It is to the point where they can't even fit in all of the classrooms in the back. So we have a room issue. And so keep us in prayer as we try to figure out our plan uh, to continue to serve uh, the growth that God has blessed us with. And one thing about growth is you have to be a good steward of it. And so it's going to require us to do things a little differently. It's going to stretch us a little bit. We may have to uh, do some things that you have not seen done before. Uh, But what I want to do is I want to compel you to be in prayer. I want you to be in prayer about the direction of the church. Be in prayer about what God is doing because we always say things like, if his name be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto you. Do y'all understand what all men means? That means people from all kinds of walks of life, people from all kinds of backgrounds, people of all kinds of races and ethnicity. So when you say, when we lift him up, he'll draw all men, he's drawing all men. But the question is, is how will we be a steward of who he's going to draw here? And so I want you to keep that in your prayers. We're trying to figure out what our plan is uh, for for our space back there. Um, We're moving our baptism to fourth Sunday. Um, And we're doing this again because of space. And so uh, in March, we'll have baptism fourth Sunday as opposed to second Sunday. So it'll be fourth Sunday. Um, We have general Bible study this coming Wednesday. So please come on out. Y'all been doing a great job of showing up on Wednesday. So don't stop now. Keep it going. Uh, We have our workout Wednesday happening as well. And after this service today, there will be a meeting for the uh, prayer and altar workers. So prayer and altar workers. If you're on the prayer team or you're an altar worker, you're going to meet in room 209 after this service, okay? As we're in the season of Lent and Daniel fast, we begin to inch closer and closer to Easter. And during these times, I believe it's important to look at how Jesus was preparing his disciples and his followers for what would be an emotional roller coaster for them and that he would have to suffer for sins that he did not commit. He explains that his body was broken for our sins. We, we talk about it every single first Sunday when we take communion. This body is broken for our sins. And what I want you to understand is that our lives can get hard. Anybody testify that life can be hard? And life is hard because of sin. And oftentimes, we don't want to be honest, but because of our own sinfulness. Not just the sins of the world, but our own actions, the things that we've decided to do. But, but God knows this and has promised to deliver us from pain of this world. Now, that does not mean that you will have 
a perfect life. It does not mean that you won't have your ups and downs, but he does promise to ultimately redeem us from the pain of this world. And that concentration is found at the cross. Who through Jesus and his suffering will be broken for you and I to be the living bread. So I want to start today at Mark, Mark 831. We're going to start a new, a new teaching called Broken. It'll be our road to Easter. And so I'm going to read a couple of verses for you, Mark 831, and we'll get on our way. Um, I'll start at 31 and I'll read to about 38. It says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things of God, but the things of men. Verse 34 says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and for the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful Generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Even though we're in a series titled Broken, I want to give you the subtitle of We Know the Ending. Somebody say, We Know the Ending. One thing we don't like to do when uh, a new movie comes out, if you have not seen it yet, you hate when people give you the ending. You hate when people spoil the end, but, but what Jesus is doing today in Mark is he's giving us the ending. Even though we in, are going to have to endure some pain and some suffering and some hurt, the beautiful thing is we know the ending. Even though life may get difficult and get hard, you and I are headed into a new life because what? We know the ending. When trial and tribulation seem to overwhelm us, when trial and tribulation seem to attempt to overtake us, we have to remember and tell the trial and tell the tribulation and tell every devil in hell that guess what? We know the ending. See, for the believer, there is victory because Jesus was broken for us. And so we know the ending. And so we're going to spend some time today in scripture learning about something that every believer uh, will have to endure, that every believer at some point in their life will have to have some kind of suffering. But what I want to encourage you in is that you know the ending. The text tells us that Jesus was telling Peter and the disciples about the suffering he had to go through, about the things that he was going to have to endure. So for the first time in Mark's gospel, Jesus tells them the ending of the book. This is the first time Jesus explains to them what's going to have to happen to him in his suffering and him going to the cross. He knows that he'll have to suffer, that it will have to be death, that there'll have to be resurrection. Jesus said, I'll be rejected on earth, but my father will accept me in heaven. He says, I'll be broken for your sins, but only to free you from the penalty of your sin. 
He says, I'll suffer many things, but suffering is only an avenue for my glory. I'm going somewhere here. He says, I'll be rejected, but the rejection is only a highway to resurrection. But where you and I are hearing victory in the statement, Peter is only hearing suffering and death in the statement. Um, Peter is dealing with a fleshly phenomenon called selective hearing. Now, many times this phenomenon of selective hearing usually occurs heavy in humans ages two to seven, where they can only hear part of what you're saying. And the certain part that they hear are the parts that they want to hear. But this phenomenon called selective hearing also impacts people from the ages of eight to 108, where they also only hear what they want to hear. And Peter in this text is displaying selective hearing in that he has allowed his emotions and lack of understanding to impact what he hears as Jesus is speaking to him. Okay, the first thing I want you to understand today, the first thing I want you to get uh, wrapped around your minds, because though we know the ending, you got to make sure you do not let your emotions impact what you hear. And many of us have let fear impact what we have heard. Okay, the enemy will use your emotions against you to confuse your hearing. The enemy will cause you to hear through a filter of worry, through a filter of anxiety, through a filter of lack, but you cannot allow the disease of selective hearing to cloud God's message toward you. There are some things that the Spirit has spoken to you. There are some things that God has been telling you. There are some things that he's opened your eyes to. However, what I found is that we often listen through a lens of something that we do not have. Okay, what do I mean by that? The Lord will speak to you concerning the new business. He will talk to you about the new business and new ministry that God has put into your spirit, that God has put into your heart. Uh, many of us have been called to ministry 10, 20, 50 years ago, but based on what we decided to hear and selected to hear, we are still stuck in the same place that we were 15 and 20 years ago based on our selective hearing. And despite the seed being planted, despite the desire being rooted on the inside of you, even though God has called you to start it even though God has told you to do it instead we allow ourselves to hear through a filter of lack and we say I cannot start the business because I don't have enough but you're missing the ending see if God promised the business it means that he already has a plan for your lack because he knows how to get you to the ending and what I want you to understand this morning is that you got to learn to stop having selective hearing and listen to what God has called you to do in the fulfillment because we know the ending this is why the Bible is so intentional about teaching us not to worry because when you're anxious and when you worry it causes stress on your mind. And the stress on your mind that's left unmanaged has the ability to kill you. When you consider the side effects of stress, it messes with your sleep, 
And so you can't get the rest that your body needs. You toss and turn, amen. It breaks down your immune system. It causes you to be open to more sickness and your body cannot fight like it needs to. It can cause tension and headaches and pain. It causes cardiovascular health issues and heart issues. What I want you to understand is the Bible gives us instruction because not only does it want us to be fit spiritually, but it's also trying to keep us going physically. Peter did not hear victory. He did not hear salvation. He heard with his fear and his worry. And when you come into the house, you cannot come into the house hearing the word of God, listening with a fearing aid. Okay, you missed it. Uh, I know some of y'all got hearing aids, but, but there are many of us who have fearing aids in our ears right now because the enemy will cause fear to scramble your vision and to scramble your hearing. You can't even see clearly because you're looking through the lens of what you do not have or what you cannot do. You cannot even hear clearly because you're hearing through the lens of what you do not have or what you cannot do. You know, I like to look at history. And in the American Civil War, um, there was this peninsula campaign. It was around 1862. And during this time, this is when the Union was fighting against uh, the Confederate Army. And there was something that took place that caused the Union to be a victim of deception. Somebody say deception. Uh, um, what ended up happening was the, 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 the general who was over the Confederate Army, um, he acted in plays and he produced plays. So even though he was a general, he had a love for theater. And so he understood that there was something that you could do uh, with the knowledge of visual and audio effects. In other words, he can cause you to see something that was not there or hear something that was not really there. And so what he began to do, his army was much smaller than the Union Army. It was, in fact, a 10 to 1 fight. And so therefore, he should have lost. Therefore, there should not have been any question or any doubt that he was going to lose that fight. But what he began to do, he understood something about deception, understood something about using audio and visual cues to trick people. And so what he did was he created all the scarecrow and stick men who would stand next to his army to make his army look bigger. He took it a step further and he took all of his cannons that he had and he found all these wooden logs and he began to paint the wooden logs black to make them look like the cannons. And so therefore he doubled his weapon size by perception. They weren't really cannons, they were wooden logs. Then what he would do is he would march his army in a loop. So they would march in a circle to make it look like it was a never-ending army. And he would use bugles to do army calls, which would make it sound louder than it really was. Now, mind you, the Union Army was a lot bigger. But based on their fear, they said, we got to go get some more people. Based on them lacking an understanding and seeing based on what they heard and what they have been deceived into believing, they found themselves in a position where they decided not to attack and ended up losing that particular battle based on being deceived. Okay, the enemy has been marching around your house acting like he's bigger than he really is. He's been marching around your mind acting like he's greater than he really is. He has fooled you into believing that he has some kind of power that is bigger than what God has spoken to you. But let me tell you this morning, if the Lord has spoken it to you, he already has a plan for you and he has a myriad of angels who are at his beck and call.
there anybody who's tired of the enemy marching around their house, marching around their job, marching around their relationship? Is there anybody who says, I will no longer be deceived by the fear and the lack of hearing in my mind, but I will stand up firm and say, not today, Satan. You have lost Satan. Listen, you better learn to speak to your enemy for who he is. Is there anybody who got something in their belly they want to just get out? Is there anybody who's tired of the enemy showing up in your children's life and in your parents' life and in your family's life? Can you speak to your situation right now and tell the enemy, no, 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 not today. It ends right now. It ends at this moment. I will no longer listen to you. I will no longer hear you. I will no longer even exist in your presence. Listen, is there anybody who can just say that God is God and that's all that I know. God is Father and that's all that I believe. He is all powerful. He is almighty and the righteous run to him and are saved. You got to know it. The enemy, he clouds our vision with smoke and mirrors. He'll cause you to move in fear, cause you to move in worry, which ultimately causes us to make decisions that are not in line with God's call in our life. When you let the enemy parade and walk around in various areas of your life, he makes himself look bigger than he really is. And so therefore, we'll make decisions or think that we have to rush to be in a relationship because the smoke and mirrors has told us that nobody else will love us or accept us. We'll stay in situations that are killing us because the smoke and mirrors will tell us if you leave the situation, you'll be embarrassed, you'll be ridiculed. And so what we must learn to do is to not be distracted by the smoke in the mirrors of the enemy. Jesus is sharing a glorious story. He is sharing what should be the thing that gives Peter hope, that gives Peter strength, that gives Peter courage. But he doesn't see hope. He does not see power. Instead, Peter decides to take Jesus to the side to check Jesus. Now think about the text. Jesus says to them, I'll have to suffer I'll have to go to the cross, but then I'm going to rise again. I'm going to resurrect. All Peter heard was that I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And so then Peter tries to take Jesus to the side to check Jesus. Look at the text. Mark 8, 33, he says, and he spoke that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Peter takes Jesus to the office to reprimand Jesus. So what Jesus does, he goes with Peter, but then he turns and looked at his disciples, and the text said that he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Okay, notice that Jesus, who's taken to the side by Peter, does not even speak to Peter, but he speaks to Satan. He does not speak to Peter, but he speaks to the influence that is causing Peter to talk crazy. Okay, I'm going somewhere. You've been fighting with people. 
You've been arguing with people. You've been cussing people out, but you're talking to the wrong person. You better learn to talk to the influence and the source that's causing a person to act crazy. You got to learn to get to the root of the issue and not just the surface of the issue. Everybody wants to deal with the surface. Everybody wants to deal with the face, but you got to talk to the spirit that's behind the enemy. You got to talk to the spirit that's behind that thing. You got to talk and call it out and say, Satan, you are a liar. Devil, you are a liar. Demons, you got to flee. You better learn to talk the right way. We spend all this time beating around the bush, trying to be politically correct and trying to not hurt nobody's feelings. But Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. He deals with the source of Peter's issue. Listen, um, you're not going to like this, but, but the reason we sometimes stay stuck in our mess is because we refuse to deal with the source of our mess. And we spend so much time trying to uncover other people's mess and try to look at everybody else and what they got going on because you think that that's going to fix your mess. But what I want you to understand is that you better learn to go back to your own home and your own house and speak to the source. Okay. We don't want to get to the root of our backbiting and gossiping. We like to tiptoe around the surface. But, but there's a source to our backbiting and gossiping. We don't want to get to the root of our lying tongue, but, but there's a source to our inability to tell the truth. We don't want to get to the root of our fornication, but there's a source to our inability to say no to lust that's ruling over us. We don't want to get to the root of our homosexuality, but there's a source to our desire and our lust that we must learn to speak to. And whatever your thing is, there's a source to that thing. And you got to stop dealing with the cosmetic cover up. You got to stop dealing with the surface of it. And you got to get to the root of the tree and begin to chop that thing down. No matter what your sin is, no matter what my sin is, Jesus does not speak to this the sin, but he speaks to the root. He says, get behind me, Satan. That's the word. That's the word. Peter only hears the suffering and the death. He begins to rebuke Jesus. In Jesus' rebuke of Peter, he tells him, Peter, there's a difference between thinking on the things of men and thinking on the things of God. And the way to make sure that our hearing and our vision is not clouded, you must learn to think on the things of God. You got to have a perspective that causes me to have a thought process that is focused on the things of God and not the things of the flesh. Uh, the flesh is always going to lean more on the way of the flesh's agenda, which pleases the flesh. And what Jesus was teaching, he's saying, listen, I'm going to be broken so that I can be glorified. He said suffering had to come before glorification. See, everybody wants the glory, but nobody wants to suffer. And there's going to be some suffering that you and I have to endure before the glorification. Suffering is the avenue that we must drive down, that we must walk down to get to the glory. The gospel is not going to get rid of all your trouble. I don't want you to think that once you accept Jesus as your personal savior and you join the church that all your problems going to fall out the window. No, in fact, your problems may pile up even more. But guess what? You got the power now to deal with your problems and the issues that come your way. Uh-uh. Um, 
in order to obtain the glory he has set aside for us, we're going to have to endure some stuff. Uh, Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18. I want you to write this down. I want you to have this for this week. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay. This is how you learn to change your mindset uh, 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 from, from listening with fear, from listening with lack, from listening with worry. You got to change your mindset and learn to hear with the spirit. Okay. Yes, I'm going to have some present sufferings. Yes, there are going to be some days that I do not like. Yes, there are going to be some things that are going to keep on trying to fight me at every single turn. But guess what? I cannot compare those to what God is about to do in my life for what God is about to reveal in my life. I need you to learn to speak to your situation and tell Satan to get behind you. Let him know that the sufferings of your present moment don't compare to the victory that God has on the horizon for you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you've been going through some stuff. You've been dealing with some mess. You've been feeling the pain, but let me tell you, the pain that you are feeling right now cannot compare to what God is about to do in your life, to what God is about to open up in your life. The pain at this moment does not compare to the healing that is on the way. Where my people at who refuse to let the pain overtake them in the moment? My people who refuse to hear based on fear, who refuse to hear based on lack. But you know since Jesus was broken that you will be glorified sooner or later. It means that the glory is set up for you. So if you look at Mark 8.34, it says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Um, we love to talk about taking up our cross. We love to quote, you know, take up your cross and take up your cross and walk. Take up your cross. But take up your cross was a scandalous statement. Um, when you think about what it was used for in that particular time, um, when criminals were sentenced to death back in these times, they were required to carry the cross beam of their cross. That's what take up your cross came from. It means that you were guilty and that you were about to have to walk to your death. See, carrying your cross was not about having a burden that you had to deal with that you just carried through life. It was not uh, dealing with people that would annoy you and you just say, oh, that's taking up my cross. It was not dealing with tough relationships and that's just taking up my cross. But carrying your cross meant that you were willing to die to yourself in order to follow Jesus. It meant that, that you would experience even looking foolish by the people around you because you follow Jesus. It meant that you would be disliked by the people around you because you follow Jesus. It meant that you were going to be talked about and, and ridiculed and, 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 and laughed at because you follow Jesus. It, it, if you follow Jesus, you're going to have to experience the suffering that comes along with it. It means that people that tell you that you're crazy for waiting to have sex until marriage, they'll laugh at you and tell you what you're doing that for. They'll, they'll laugh at you and tell you what you're living holy for. It means that you're going to be ridiculed for carrying your cross and walking and dying to yourself every single day. He compares being his disciples to a terrible picture that was very familiar with them of a condemned man carrying the cross beam on the way to his execution. Now, for some people in the world, this actually means dying for Jesus. Because even though we live 
in America, land of the free home and the brave. There are people all over the world who are a part of the persecuted church who actually are being killed for speaking the name of Jesus. And so the way that we partake in carrying our cross is that you and I must be willing to die to this flesh on a daily basis. See, this walk is going to require that I constantly deny what the flesh wants. This walk is going to require that I'm not looking to just stand and blend in with the crowd, but carrying your cross sometimes means that you're going to be the odd one out. Carrying your cross sometimes means that friends will leave you and relationships won't work out because you want to live holy, you want to live righteous. That is what carrying your cross is going to look like, that you got to deny what you want to say, even if you think you're right and you know you're right. Sometimes you got to shut your mouth and deny what you want to speak and tell this flesh to be quiet because God is saying now is not the time for you to speak up now is not the time for you to uh, uh, respond now I need you to be quiet and carry your cross see one thing about carrying the cross it was personal now the reason I say it's personal because if you look at what Jesus had to do when he was carrying his cross the, the reason it's so incredible that somebody had to come and help him or that came to assist him in carrying his cross is because normally that did not happen because carrying your cross was a personal thing that you had to do. It was your burden to carry. And what I want you to understand is that your walk has to be personal. Okay. We love to walk in a group. We love to walk with our friends. But there are going to be some situations that are going to separate the real from the fake. And you have to be okay with walking this thing out by yourself. You got to be prepared for some moments where it's just going to be you and God. See, when you have to take up your cross, you deny wanting to be comfortable. When you got to take up your cross, you deny wanting to blend in with the crowd. When you got to take up your cross, you deny yourself and you follow Jesus. And everybody's not ready for that. Everybody loves the blessing. Everybody loves that the windows of heaven should be opened up to pour out a blessing you won't have room enough to receive. Everybody can shout on the abundance and the overage that you get. But can you shout on the fact you got to pick up your cross sometimes and deny this flesh? Everyone wants to follow Jesus until it's time to follow Jesus. Everyone wants to follow Jesus until it gets hard. Everyone wants to follow Jesus until you can't do what everybody else is doing. Jesus says, if you identify with me, you also are going to have to identify with rejection and suffering. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Okay. He's not talking about the world in this statement. He's talking about his followers, the church. He says, if you want convenience, this right here ain't the way. If you want what's easy, this right here ain't the way. He says, but if you want to save your life and experience the rewards of a relationship with me in this life and in eternity, it's going to cost you something. But the cost is nothing compared to what you gain. He says, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. Okay. He says, when you deny your desires for Jesus to, to, to pursue uh, um, 
God's kingdom, uh, you gain real life. When you, when you deny your, your desires and say, listen, I want Jesus, you gain real life. Uh, that life is intimacy with Jesus. Let me stop here real fast. I said the word intimacy. See, you can come to church but not have intimacy. You can sing and you can do a dance, still not have intimacy. We can preach sermons and teach Bible study, but still not have intimacy. You can play an instrument and work a camera, but still not have intimacy. Because it is through the denying of the flesh, denying my lust, denying my tongue, denying my thoughts, that I gain a true life with him and a true relationship with him and a closeness with him. That is intimacy, to be able to deny myself and what I want. That is intimacy. And he was broken for us so that I can have intimacy and an ability to carry my cross. He keeps going further. Jesus keeps piling it on. I say, Jesus, why couldn't you just stop right there? Why you got to keep going? He says in 836 to 37, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Think about this. The reason Jesus says this is because he knows that there are going to be some people who are not going to want this. What if you don't want the suffering? What if you don't want to endure everything that comes along with it? The question is very important. He says, well, what can you get in return for your life? What is so good that you would deny your life with Jesus? What is so great that you would deny your life with Jesus? How much is your life worth? He says, is, is popularity worth your life? Is the fame worth your life? Is the momentary pleasure worth your life? The word life in this text is translated to psyche or soul. We learned last week that the soul is the inner being, the, the will, the emotions, the conscience. So what Jesus is saying to them is that your core being, your inside, the real you, that's the one that goes before the judge. So is the desires of the flesh worth your soul? How does it benefit me? For everyone to know my name down here on earth, but to get to Jesus and he say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you when I stand before him in judgment. That's what he's saying in this text. Is it really worth it? Jesus understands the human mind better than anybody because as he's telling them this, you got to understand he's a hundred percent man. He's well aware that even though I have come to give life and life more abundantly, not everybody will accept the truth and the free gift that I'm here to give. And though Jesus was broken for all humanity, it does not mean that all humanity will follow him. Okay. The majority of humanity will come to church, but will not follow him. The majority of humanity will attend on Sunday. Sign up for membership, but we'll not follow him. Okay, John 666, and we're going home. John 666, musicians, you can come, we're going home. Pray the worship team, you can come. John 666, I want to give you this. Matter of fact, give me John 660, I want to start there real quick. Y'all can still come. John 660, I'm going to read 60 and 61. Okay, 
John 6.50 says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? I'll stop there. Jesus is telling them what it's going to take to walk this walk. That you're going to have to deny your flesh, deny your opinions, deny what you chase, deny what you want. You got to deny what you think you got to have. You got to deny what you say you're born with. You got to deny what you say that you can't get out of. You got to deny it, right? And when he's saying this, the text says that many people who heard it said, this is a hard saying. This is hard to hear. I mean, who wants to hear this? Who wants to come to grips with who I really am? When Jesus began to hear the mumbling, the text says, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Okay. If the gospel doesn't offend me, it's not doing its job. If, if, if I'm not convicted when I'm reading the text, there's something that I'm not getting or grasping. And the moment I begin to walk through life without conviction, this is the moment that I've left the presence of God. Notice they said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? It was hard to hear, hard to understand, hard to grasp. Jesus says, does this offend you? He says, do you not believe it? And then in John 6, 66 through 67, you see what happens after the hard saying took place. I'm going somewhere. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Okay, not just random people, not just people that showed up on Sunday, not just those who may listen to a sermon, may read every once in a while. The text says, not we said, but the Bible says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus turns to his 12, his 12 disciples, that, and he says, will you also go? I, I got more, but I want to stop right here. I want to ask you a question. Will you go? Welcome to New Birth Christian Ministries. We are glad you are joining us today. Our services will begin shortly. Here at New Birth, our mission is to transform our families, our schools, our community, and our city by introducing everyone to Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that Christ will change their hearts and baptize them into His family by the Holy Spirit called New Birth. The New Birth experience will begin shortly. Hallelujah!
fucking cry. You know his name. Can you say his name? You better learn how to speak his name. You better learn how to say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Rapha. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, El Shaddai, El Roi, El Olam, El Elyon, El Diyat. Listen, you better learn who he is. I don't care what you're going through, what your circumstance is. You better call his name. In sickness, I call his name. In health, I call his name. In the bottom of the pit, I call his name. At the top of the mountain, I call his name. In my sickness, I call his name. With no money, I call his name. With a lot of money, I call his name. question I want to ask is if you have not made a declaration to walk with him as the prayer altar words come forth if you have not made a declaration to walk with him if you have not said Lord I'm walking with you Lord I'm doing this thing Lord I'm, I'm done with my flesh I'm done uh, uh, in my mess I'm done with it if you have not done that today and you want to make that declaration for yourself take the opportunity that you have before you I want us to all stand to our feet. I know today was difficult. I know today was a little rough. But this was necessary. Because I believe that for someone, this will be the first day of the rest of your life. For someone... You're making a decision right now to say, you know what? I'll walk with Jesus. If that's you, make your way to the altar. If you're saying, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, I'll walk with you. Step by step. I know it's going to be difficult. I know I'm going to have to suffer. I know I'm going to go through some stuff. Thank God for you. We see you coming. If that's you, make your way to the altar. have not made a declaration, I want you to make your way to the altar. It's not going to be easy. It may get harder before it gets easier. And we know the enemy's mad. But don't let the enemy stop you from what God has for you. Maybe you've been praying. You've been trying to figure it out. But you got to get to the source. If you want prayer today, I want you to come. If you want prayer because you're tired of battling over and over again, you can't figure it out on your own, I want you to come today. Get to the source. Come on, get to the source. Come. Get to the source of the issue. Stop trying to put band-aids on the issue. We'll be a healed church. He's been broken for us. We shall be a healed church. Come on, make your way to the altar if that's you. Make your way to the altar. Many of us right now are battling with anxiety. We're battling with worry. We're battling with fear. If that's you, make your way to the altar. Don't let the enemy cause you to hear with fear and to hear with your lack. 
Make your way to the altar. Come on. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Everything changes for you. We're speaking into existence for you. Come on. It's a new 